Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? You got to be louder than that. You got to be louder. Last week, I talked like a mile a minute. Like I, I got word that I was quite quick. And I have not had espresso this morning. I have had regular coffee, which... I have not even finished yet because my normal location was closed. That was heartbreaking, okay? So no espresso, just regular coffee. So you get pretty average me. That still talks kind of fast sometimes. So I'm sorry about that. But I'm not sorry at the same time. Um, So we've been in a series that has been going on. This is our fourth week called Let's Start the Journey. And I have so enjoyed this series because this series – is the heartbeat of the gospel. And also, including the heartbeat of the gospel, is the why behind Journey Church. They line up so closely. And week one, I'm not going to be able to recap, like, in depth, so please go back and watch or tune in or go to the podcast and listen. But week one, Pastor Chris shared with us how we are all on a journey with God. We are all on a journey with God. He helped us see that the message that starts our journey will be the very message that we will allow to shape our journey. So that's why it's so important that we have the correct message of of Jesus. What that message looks like is so important that we understand it because it will shape all of our life. And that is critical for us. In 2 Corinthians, I didn't give this to the to the sound people, but 2 Corinthians 5:19, he said, "For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, and that is the gospel." All summed up in that verse, that is the gospel. And we are the carriers of that wonderful message of reconciliation. We are the body of Christ that gets to go proclaim this gospel. And like we say so often, y'all probably will hear this forever, just like a couple verses I'll be sharing later. You'll be hearing it all the time when we are up here sharing. Because I and Pastor Chris want you to know that everything is okay between God and you. Now, will we allow everything to be okay between us and God? That's on us. God's already done it. It's already been done. Jesus already took it all. He's already done it. Now it's on us to realize, like, are we going to let us be okay with God? In week two, Pastor Chris shared about how the gospel is never about how good we can be, but rather about how good God is. It's always been about his goodness, never about how good we can be. And he went in and we read about um, Abraham and we saw how our faithlessness does not determine God's faithfulness. We don't determine his faithfulness. Sometimes we want to take the spot of God and be like, God, they don't deserve that because of whatever it is they did. God's like, hold up, let's go look at Abraham. We went and we looked at Abraham, and we know that he is, he is called the father of our faith. But we got to see a little bit more about Abraham's life in week two. Maybe a little more than you really even anticipated knowing, but we got to see that. And we see that he is also the father of our faithlessness. He is not just the father of our faithfulness, but faithlessness. There were many times where he said he trusted God, 
but his actions didn't align with what he was saying. And we see God's response to Abraham. We saw this in week two. We saw that God's response to, Abel, to Abraham's faithlessness was always faithfulness. And it was God's faithfulness. Listen, it was God's faithfulness that changed Abraham. Guys, there are going to be times where you feel like you can't be in that spot. And believe me, I get it. But God can be. He always has been. He will be the faithful one to the very end, and he will be the faithful one right now where you are at. He will be. So last week, guys, I spent some time unpacking the heart of our church, of the why of connecting people to Jesus and why it's so important, connecting people to Jesus to experience life. Jesus is at the center right there. I love that. And obviously, I can't go, and I said this a second ago, there's going to be things you hear continually from when we're up here preaching. I can't go past this verse, and I've shared it every week. I've been up here. I believe you probably shared it as well. Is John 14, 6. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to the truth that will cause us and bring us into the spot of experiencing the life that God has for us, the life that God has. You see, that word life there in the scripture broken down is zoe, okay? And the meaning of that is a real and genuine life, a real and genuine life, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. That's the kind of life I want to have. That's the kind of life I want to live, a real and genuine life. We're so good at living real, but what about genuine? Sometimes we can do the whole, I'm real with you, and we just splurt, you know, blurt out whatever we want. I'm just being real. But what about the genuine part? Are we going to follow that realness up with the genuineness that we can follow it up with? I want to live an active life that's vigorous and devoted to God. What does that look like? And one that's blessed by God. And so that's the kind of life I want to live. And we read about Jesus' encounters with the Jews where last week we read about this, where the Jews were very adamant about their position as Abraham's descendants. Remember we read about that where they argued, they like stood up and like puffed their chests up and like, who do you say we are? We've never been, we've never been enslaved. We've never been held captive. We've never, whatever. They said all this like Jesus knew, hello. He knows what's happened. But they like puffed themselves up, got an attitude and like basically were like, we have this position in Abraham as Abraham's descendants. And Jesus continued and continued to try and help them understand that the way they were acting wasn't even in line with how Abraham would have responded, which would have been by faith, okay? Jesus told them that they have no room in their hearts. And that was what he, we we read a few verses later, and he says, why can't you understand what I am saying? And it's because you can't even hear me. And I know that we, I unpacked that all last week, but it's, it's going back to the question I was asking is, do we have room in our hearts? Are we able to hear? What have we put down so that we can be able to sit and be with Jesus? I said last week, last week was my 39th birthday, and it reminded me of all the years that the Israelites spent 
wandering around, wandering around, waiting to get into the promised land. Forty years they went around and never entered the place that could have taken them 11 days to get to. And I said, I'm so over wandering in my own life that I don't want to wander for a whole, I'm, all, I'm only one year away from 40. Like, I'm done. I don't want to keep doing that. I want to take the 11-day journey, not the 40-year journey. And so that's where we landed last week is like, what are we going to do? We have the choice to stop wandering. We have the choice to lay things down, to shift our perspectives, to understand the goodness of God that is in us and that he has for us, this life, this Zoe life that he has for us. And I concluded last week with three questions. And we dug into these this past week and talked about them in our life group. And I had totally, it was weird because I had totally forgot it until someone brought it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, the three questions. How did I forget this? And so we had talked about the three questions that I said we can ask ourselves to keep us in a place of having rooms in our having room in our heart for the message of Christ, which is the good news about God's love for us and all of humanity. And these three questions are intended to help us stay in a place of being able to hear and see God in our lives. Because like I said, God doesn't stop talking and God doesn't stop showing up. We are able to block that though. The more we, we can't hear, the more we say no, the more we push away, the more we do whatever we want to do. It's us that blocks God. So those three questions, just to recap, is, is what you are doing or believing bringing you closer to God? Is what you are doing and believing or believing, sorry, bringing you closer to your true being, the whole authentic you like we talked about last week? And number three, is what you are doing and believing bringing you closer to your spouse, your family, your friends, the people around you? And I said, we got to ask ourselves those questions. And sometimes you got to ask yourself those daily. And when you're about to start believing some lie that's inaccurate, allow that question to pop in your head. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring that back to your, your remembrance. And so as I think about the Zoe, the real genuine kind of life I want to experience and I want others to experience, I think about the way Jesus walks with us on our journey. He walks with us on our journey so that we are able to experience this Zoe life. That in, 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 and we can miss it sometimes if we miss him in our journey. We can miss it because sometimes we think Jesus isn't with us. We think, oh, well, he's just absent, but he's so present. He's so present with you. He's so present with me. In all that we do, he is present. Jesus shows up in so many ways, and sometimes we don't even give him the credit for where he shows up. Example, three examples here. Like when you get a text message of encouragement, or maybe it's a scripture, or maybe it's just someone saying, hey, I want you to know I love you. And they have no clue that you're sitting in your car all alone trying to figure out, God, I just don't know what to do. God, I'm so alone. God, I'm so broken. You, they don't know that, but they send this message at the right time. And you want to know what that is? That's Jesus with you. That's Jesus with me. That's him showing up. And we don't give him credit sometimes for that. Maybe, just maybe, it's in the times where you have a bill that's due. And nobody knows that you're in the house praying, God, I have no clue where this money is going to come from. 
And that money gets sent to you. Nowadays, it could be sent cash app, whatever, Facebook pay, all these different ways. Maybe someone brings you a check. And it ends up being the exact amount that you are going to need to pay that bill. That is Jesus with you. That is Jesus so present in everything that we're walking through. And we don't realize it sometimes. Maybe it's when you're just driving and you're having an okay day. Nothing's really going on. Nothing's really that bad. But God drops this song on the radio. And all of a sudden, you're like, your whole day just explodes with joy and happiness. And like I said, it might not even be a bad day. But I want you to know that that's still Jesus with you. That's still him showing up in your good and in your bad and in your ugly and in your hardships. He's there showing up. And we got to give him credit for that. We got to. You see, in the scriptures we talk about that we're going to be talking about today, we'll see Jesus joining a couple of his followers in their confusion and in their disappointment and in their heartbreak, not running from them or ignoring them, but joining them. He is with them in the middle of this heartache. You see, life has always sought us out. Jesus has always sought us out. He always has, and he always will. Life from the very beginning has sought the heart of humanity out. From the very beginning with Adam and Eve, when they went and hid because they had sinned, because they realized that they were naked, life sought them out. When Abraham and Sarah had decided to take things in their own hands and try and plan their own family and do what they wanted to do. And Abraham made some crazy choices. Life sought them out by reminding them of the promise he gave them. Life seeks us out always. The Zoe kind of life, the life that Jesus has for us, always will seek us out. Always. In Luke 24, this is where we're going to be hanging out a little bit today, and I'm kind of going to be jumping all over the place, so just keep up with me because there's so many little things in here that we got to dive into, and thank you, uh, John, for working with me on this. He's like, hold on, this is kind of confusing where you said this thing. I'm like, I know, I'm a confusing person. (laughs) That's what I think because that's literally how my mind works, guys. My mind is like over here, and then the next minute it's like over here. Does anyone relate to that? Anyone? Okay, good. So I'm not alone up here. So you guys will probably track with me. The rest of you just go back and watch it and you'll catch up. So we're in Luke 24, verses 13 through 34. It says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Y'all, don't none of us walk seven miles from anywhere today, right? Like, that's a long time. Think about it as we're reading the story. This isn't like they walked a mile. That's going to take us maybe, I don't know how long it takes you to walk a mile, but way too long. Um, This was seven miles that they were walking, okay? Seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking. And when I looked this up, I realized that they weren't probably just talking like I'm talking with you. They were probably intently talking, maybe even arguing about what just happened, okay? Because also, just a heads up, this is Easter, this is the day that Jesus rose, that these, these two uh, followers of Jesus are walking this road to Emmaus, okay? And about everything, they had been talking about everything that had happened. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. That was an odd spot for me. I always kind of question, like, why? Why did you do that, God? But we're going to talk about that later. 17, he said, He asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you intently, so intently 
discussing as you walk along. They stopped short. Sadness went written across their faces. The one of, then one of them, Cleopas, interesting name, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. Because, guys, what had just happened was Jesus was taken to the cross. He was beaten. He was crucified. He was buried in the grave, and then he rose all within these last few days. And they're looking at him like, who are you? How do you not know about what is going on? The last few days. Verse 19, what things, Jesus asked. This is funny. He says, the things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet. And I want to pause here because he was a prophet. They were just calling this prophet their Messiah three days prior. Their language had changed from our Messiah to he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. Verse 21, it says, we had hoped he was the Messiah who came to rescue Israel this all happened three days ago. Can we go back? Or sorry, when we go back and we study, just pausing right there, when we go back and we study out all about the Israelites and all the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks, we see a people group who has continually been found or have found themselves enslaved or in captivity. And Jesus comes to them and he says, I have come to give you life. But guys, they had no clue what kind of life he came to give them. They thought this Jesus, this Messiah that they had been waiting so long for, the majority of them thought that he was going to come like a military savior and he was going to take on the Romans and he was going to set them free and he was going to do what he was supposed to do. And a few of them or others of the, the Jews believed that he would show up as a prophet. But because their expectations were so great and were the certain way that things had to go this way, and when they went this way, they instantly said, this man who was a prophet, no longer our Messiah who we thought he was, but this prophet. Because they saw Jesus die, and it shifted everything in them. In a moment, it shifted everything. You see, Picking back up in verse 22, it says, then, two, or then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who had told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. I'm going to pause here again, and I'm going to give you this one free. Who were the first people to proclaim the gospel? Women. Who doubted the women? Men. Guys, if you ever doubt that you are able to teach in a church, if you ever doubt that you are able to teach to anyone, I want you to know that the first people that shared the gospel that Jesus is alive was women. Okay? So that one's for free because I'm just like, hey, let me lift y'all up today, ladies. Okay? Ah, I love it. All right, verse 25 says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, 
You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering into his glory? Wasn't it predicted? Verse 27, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning him. Guys, Jesus walked them through. This was a seven-mile walk, okay? Jesus wasn't just like, hey, guys, this is real. This is what it is. He walked them through Moses' stories. He walked them through all the prophecies of the prophets. He said it was predicted. It was predicted. And when we go back and reread things, the point of Jesus saying that is he's telling them, look, I'm in everything. It all points to me. And when we go back and we read scriptures and we read these stories, we read them with the lens of Jesus. We read them because what's been done is the finished work of Jesus has been put, has happened. And we put that on and we read and we say, you know what? I see Jesus there. I see how that's pointing to Jesus and that points to Jesus. And if you don't understand it, then maybe it's not necessarily what is intended that we've always thought it was. Maybe what we see isn't the way it is. I know that's hard to believe, and it's hard to take in. But sometimes when we read things and we accredit them to God, sometimes it's not always God. Sometimes it's man. Because guess what? We have free will. And I can tell you there's been times where I said God said do, and God ain't say do. It was really just me saying this is what you should do. Okay? So when we read this, we put Jesus over all of it. He is our lens of being able to understand all all of the scriptures. John 5, 39 and 40 says, you search the scriptures because you think they give eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. This is what he's telling these followers is that you've searched and you know all of these scriptures. You know all of this stuff. But do you know me? Do you know me, the one who will bring you eternal life, everlasting life, this real and genuine life? Jesus is the lens and always should be the lens of how we read and interpret all of the scriptures, okay? So we're going to jump back now to Luke 24, 24 verse 28, sorry. Make sure I say that right. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on. That's a weird thing, too. Why did he have to act like he was going on? Why couldn't he, why did they even have to add that? That. I'm just going to act like I'm leaving you guys now. Acted like he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he, ha- he went home with them, and he sat down to eat. And he took the bread, and he blessed it. Then he broke it, and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open, and they realized, that, and they realized it was him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Verse 32 said, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? That very thing will happen to each of us at different times in our lives and more than likely pretty regularly because that's how we feel sometimes the Lord speaking to us. That's how we feel the Holy Spirit trying to rise up inside of us and tell us what to do, what not to do, how to receive something. Verse 33 says, and then within an hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Another seven mile walk at late. It was 
was late. It was dark. But they decided they were going back because it was that important that they take that journey back. And it says, and within an hour, they're on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gotten or gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And looking at, looking up this, this word, um, the meaning of Emmaus, I came to a place for my own self of being completely humbled because I realized, holy moly, I have been on my own road to Emmaus so many times in my life. Not just once, but so many times in my life. I can count, I can recount these times that I've spent questioning and asking and feeling heartbroken and feeling in, in a spot of being hopeless. I have been there because the word Emmaus, guys, means hot springs or in Greek, a spring of salvation, a spring of salvation. There are spas that offer hot springs, spa treatments of some sort. You want to know why? Because people are they are believed to be healing power in those waters, healing power in those waters of the spring of salvation. And I love how everything we read has so much meaning. It's so rich and full with meaning. And I believe Jesus is with his followers on this walk, and he is their Emmaus. Jesus is the spring of salvation for them, just as he is the spring of salvation for each one of us. He is the healing power that their hearts needed after experiencing what they just experienced. He is the life that is there for them to shift what they just walked through, which was the crucifixion of the Messiah, the one that they knew at one point was here to rescue them, but was let down because it didn't happen the way they thought it was. He was their Emmaus, their salvation, their healing. You see, these two, one was named Cleopas, which they mentioned, and he was believed to be Jesus's uncle, which was Joseph's, Joseph's brother, okay? So that means he would have still been a part of Jesus' life, though Joseph had already passed. We don't know how many years prior, but he was already gone. And the other one, based on what I studied out, and it's not 100%, but it's believed to be his wife. Many scholars believe that Cleopas's wife was who was on this journey with him. So long I've heard that it's two men on this journey. But when you go out and you study the history and the culture of why this person, they would be leaving and going back to this place. But they wouldn't leave their wife behind. And their wife was there, and she was one of the many Marys. Mary was a popular name back then. So there was so many Marys, I can't even keep up sometimes, okay? But they were the ones on this journey. So this would have been Jesus' family walking this journey of doubt and heartbreak on this road to Emmaus. It would have been Jesus' family who was intensely discussing what just happened, why did that happen, how did this happen? His own family trying to figure it out. I don't know who was on whose side and who thought what because it doesn't give you that much information. But I can only imagine how that talk went because we all know if you are married, how those intense conversations go. One of you has got to be right. Okay. Someone's going to be right in the conversation. If you're one on the Enneagram, you think you're always right. Right. I had to throw that in there because you just raised your hand. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, guys, we are all a part of the family. We are all children of God, and we will all find ourselves at this exact spot at some point in our life. 
we will all find ourselves on the road to Emmaus, which I used to think that this road shouldn't be taken. I looked at it as a dangerous spot to go, a spot I should never walk because I was afraid of the doubt that I saw in these two walking that path. I thought, well, I don't want to be like that. I'm not walking in doubt. I'm not walking that path. But you see, as I read it now, I read it from a different perspective. I see how this journey is a road of being able to see clear, being able to hear clear, and a road of healing power with Jesus. It is a healing journey with the Lord that will bring me personally and you personally closer to the heart of God. Because it's in asking questions that we get to see closer or clearer. It's in asking. Like when your kids ask why, which is very annoying sometimes. But when they ask why, what are they asking why for? For clarity. So when we are on a journey of asking God why, why this happened, why is it going this way? We are on a journey of getting clarity, which will bring us closer to the heart of God. It will bring us closer to his heart. And I believe that this is us as believers now. We don't have the physical Christ, the embodied Christ walking with us. And as I read this story, I can see how these two people who are walking, they had the embodied Christ, but they didn't because they had no clue that it was him. But they had a burning within them as he was walking through all of the scriptures, just like each one of us do now. As the Holy Spirit is leading you and as Jesus is pointing you in the right direction of life, you are going to have this burning inside of you that's saying yes. And that is the Holy Spirit guiding you. That is Jesus with you on this journey. And so I think it's awesome because when I read this story now, I see it so differently. I see that these two experience what all of humanity now experiences after the cross, after Jesus has risen, is that we have to go off of what the Lord is burning inside of us. We have to go off of what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. God wants us to experience life to the fullest more than we can even imagine. You see, John 10, 10 says the thief's purpose is to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, the way we know that he is life is that he comes to us like he came to those followers on that road. He will always work within us to reveal the life he has for us. He will always work in us. This isn't just a one-time thing. Like I said, this one-time encounter with, this isn't a one-time encounter with Jesus, but a journey. Like we said, like Pastor Chris said week one, we are all on a journey with God. And it's not just a one-time thing. It will be continually, he will be continually reminding you and pointing you to, to who he is. Not only who he is, but who you are. Like we talked about last week, who we are matters. Who we are, our true, whole, authentic selves, our true being. And this is not talking about sometime often when we're no longer here on this earth. This is talking about here and now. So many of us get caught up in, well, one day off in heaven, I'll experience this. We can experience it here and now. You know why? I love how David, in the Psalms where David prays, he has so many prayers. But this one in Psalms 27, 13, we just sang about it. It says, and yet I am confident 
I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. That is this life, guys. We can see the goodness of God. We can see the Zoe kind of life now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wander for 40 years. We can jump 11 days and be like, yes. It's a journey, though. It might not happen in 11 days. Let's be real. But it doesn't have to be 40 years. And I believe we can stand on this promise just like David did in, his, in the Psalms because we are redeemed in Christ. 1 John 5, 20 says, and we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son. We put down the lies that we don't need to believe. We put down the things that we believe about God. We put those down. Like I said last week, we dropped the trash bag. We put the trash out because we get to live in fellowship with Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. So, guys, I know that there are many of us, and I put myself in there as well, because there are many of us who find ourselves in this exact same spot, the same place of traveling this road to Emmaus, of feeling heartbroken. Maybe we find ourselves questioning things in our lives. Maybe we find ourselves doubting things in our lives. Maybe we find ourselves questioning God or doubting God. It's not just about us, but it's about how we view him, how we have seen him. We can sometimes feel ourselves carrying the weight and the pain of how we thought things should be while we're actually living out a whole different scenario. And though it may be different, and sometimes different isn't bad. It's just so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. We find ourselves in tension sometimes of who we thought God was, who we thought we were. And the tension comes when he's showing who he really is, and he's revealing to you who you really are. That's where the tension comes. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, it says, Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. That is here and now. That is not off in heaven. You have been given new life today. Whenever, whenever you recognize that Jesus loves you, you were given new life. But it's a journey, too. So you will be given new life over and over again because there will be times where you sit there and you question and you doubt. And instantly the Lord drops something on you and it feels like completely new life, new wine, new experiences of who he is and how he operates. So maybe today I want to end this service spending some time in prayer. And I know that there's people that are online that maybe not in the house, but we are going to spend time praying because I, I know, because I know for myself that there are areas in our lives where we are not experiencing life. There are areas in our lives where we are questioning, where we are doubting, where we are feeling the weight of the world. And we want to experience that life. We want to experience genuine and real blessed life that God has for us. So we're going to have someone up here on each side that we're going to be available for prayer for you guys this morning. 
But I want you to know that Jesus is with you in every doubt, everything that feels heavy, heavy, every heartbreak. He is with you. And we can, be, we can be made aware of this by continuing to sit with him and be with him and laying down the things that we don't need to believe about ourselves and about him. Jesus ended his time with his followers and it says he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke the bread and he gave it to them and their eyes were open. You see, Jesus is the center of all that we do. He is our center. Just like bread is to our body, the nourishment, Jesus is to our whole life. He is our holistic bread. He will be that for your spirit, for your body, for your mind, and that is who he is at the center. So as we go into this worship song, I wanna, I wanna let you know it is open. You can come up for prayer. And then we're going to close after this worship song. I'll come up and come back up and pray. But guys, if you were in a spot where you were like, I want to experience that life, the life that God has for me, come get prayer. Don't do this alone. These two walked a journey together. Jesus entered that journey. Don't do life alone, guys. We are here.